Hello, and welcome to Alone in the Boondocks. My name's Andrew. And my name's Tyler. And this week, uh, you know, we're probably going to meander a little bit, and to a degree, um, there's something maybe incomplete in having a conversation about the topic we're going to have and having it just be two straight, white, cisgender men. Um, But we would like to talk about uh, race in the context both of um, what's how that's affecting COVID-19 or how uh, different you know races are being affected by COVID-19 um, and just what that looks like from the the rural uh, vantage point as well. Yeah, we are two very privileged white people here. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I mean, if we're talking about this in the context of COVID-19, the, the first place that you start is, uh, you know, the belief is that, uh, I shouldn't just say belief, evidence implies heavily um, that this did bego- begin in Wuhan, China. Um, most of the theory uh, has it being around a, a livestock market and that, you um, a wildly har- a wild harvested bat was sold, and that's somehow how the RNA was able to mutate uh, to a point that it could infect human beings. Are you? I mean, this is the theory that you're he- hearing in terms of. Yeah, I've I've heard lots about bats, and not like Bruce Wayne getting bit by a bat to be turned into Batman. That didn't happen. Yeah, I know. I was just <laughs> I just wanted to say that. <laughs> that didn't you know happen. that scene. His parents get shot. He gets bit by that bat outside of like a 1990s movie theater. He's yeah. probably seen the movie Heavyweights. Probably. But. Probably. Um, Willem Dafoe shows up and tells him he's something of a scientist himself. <laughs> right. Um, I, it, it, you know, whether or not that's true, I, I think is kind of an irrelevant point. At this point, this, this pandemic has no idea... First, I'm anthropomorphizing, you know, a, a virus, but it doesn't care what race you are. It doesn't care what nation of origin you claim. Uh, if you are a human being, or I guess tigers can get this too, right? Have you heard about? Going off of last week's conspiracy theories, my new favorite conspiracy theory after the Michelle Obama reading the dab is the fact that uh, the government is saying that tigers can get the coronavirus so people don't use their stimulus checks to buy tigers because of the popularity of Tiger King. And I I don't want to say I believe it fully, but I 100% back this idea and I fully believe it. But the virus was started before the documentary was released. It's hard to call that a documentary. Before the docu-series drama was released. Ha, checkmate. No, I think tigers can't get it. They just don't want everybody buying tigers. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, anyway, uh, the, the reason that I bring up where it originated uh, is because when I first heard it talked about, and again, I can't find you know the first mention of it in the media. You, you'd have to go back a distance. There, I mean, they're theorizing now that it has been in the United States since November of 2019. Right. Um, you and I just had that conversation about how we were both sick right around the end of the year last year. And yeah. I mean, there's speculation as to what it actually was. Was it the flu? Was it a really bad cold? But Absolutely. I mean, it makes you th- it makes you think. You're like, maybe I maybe I did have it. But you, I don't mean I don't know. I'm not yeah. a doctor. I'm no. not a Facebook doctor either. So no. Well, there's a lot of those. So you know, thank thank God you're not joining their ranks. Um, 
Regardless, regardless, though, of, of where it began, of, of how long it's been here, the conversation first began referring to it simply as coronavirus. Um, that was quickly, you know, changed because the coronavirus, like influenza, like rhinovirus, is a is a is a is a specific species that mutates rapidly. It's the reason that there's a different flu shot every year. Uh, scientists are doing research all the time on which flu strain they're seeing to be the predominant flu strain. Um, and that's what they use to make that year's flu vaccine out of. Sometimes they get it wrong and influenza A uh, ends up not being the primary one. That's what you've been um, vaccinated against. And instead influenza B is what comes through. And that, and we see that as a bad flu year because even those who got the shot then are not necessarily, you know, protected from it. Um, so they stopped calling it coronavirus because they're, you know, or I shouldn't say they stopped. I, that's still probably the most common nomenclature, but we started calling it COVID-19 because it is coronavirus disease first discovered in the year 2019, uh, in China. Um, but after the conversation began and we were calling it coronavirus and we were calling it COVID-19, there seemed to be a calculated decision, um, amongst a certain faction of the population to begin calling it the China virus or the Wuhan flu or any number of other things that immediately conjure, um, uh, the image of a specific nationality. Yeah. Right, absolutely. Like it's directly focusing on an Asian person being sick and stuff. Right. Um, I mean, and then that conjured. I mean, I mean, we we've seen throughout the year. It's, it's not that the United States was not affected by things like SARS, but but Eastern Asian countries were affected much more severely from things like that. Uh, we can theorize why that is about, you know, maybe there's a particular person in power now who uh, almost single-handedly dismantled uh, preparations made by past presidents to prevent things like this from happening. But, um, Hey, we can drop yeah. names. We're not, we're not proud people. No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, we'll get to all the specifics of exactly what the deer leader has done. Um, uh, not the leader of the deer, you know, that would be terrifying if there was a. Never mind. Um, do you think he'd be? Do you think he'd be more respectable if he did just command a fleet of deer? Yeah, I mean, if he commanded a whole fleet of deer, I would think like this guy is like a druid or something of some sort. Like he's he's figured out some ancient magic that I have no grasp of. All deer, and, or just one type of deer, like stag deer, white-tailed deer, a sika well, deer, all, maybe. If it's only one type of deer, then I assume he's a deer racist, and I don't like that. I want him to command all the deer. All of them. Also, this episode should just be called Deer Racists. We could call it that. That's a good... That's a good... Yeah. But we yeah, should spell it D-E-E-R. Yeah. <laughs> episode title established. Um, <laughs> yeah, Josh, did you hear that? We'll see if he really <laughs> listens to what he edits for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, that... that was a calculated decision and and it, it always comes back like what what did he stand to benefit from painting this as as he later called it um a, a chinese hoax perpetrated by the democrats now this was after he had praised uh xi jinping for his response 
to the virus. This is after he um, helped perpetuate some conspiracy theories about it. This was after I, I, I just it, he is he is as a as a human being as a as a leader really hard to track why he's doing what he's doing at all times, except that he is a master. And I don't mean to say, like, I feel like I'm constantly caught between this thing. Like, is this man an idiot or is this man, uh, you know, an evil genius? And I, I don't know that it's purely one or the other. He's, he's not well-spoken that that's for sure. But right. he, he, he sure does. I mean, if we, if we go back to 2015, you know, or tw- was it 2015 that it happened? I believe that he announced his candidacy that day. He, you know, descended on his escalator because he's one of he's a, he's the kind of person who just stands on an escalator. Hey, let's not be grouping people into categories, please. If you are a person who stands on an escalator, what is wrong with you? Hey, I mean, let's not talk about the population like this here, sir. I mean, they're moving. Are you moving, an escalator stander? They're moving stairs. Why would I move on them? They move for me. Because they've expedited your motion. They've given you. The, they've given. They're like, hey, are you sick of it taking so long to walk down the stairs? Let me speed that process up for you. Not, hey, are you so sick of walking down the stairs you don't think that you should have to do it anymore? Let me just take care of that whole deal for you. All right, we uh, we are on different sides of the escalator fence here, sir. Yeah, yeah. I you, will, it, uh, I don't. I don't expect you to walk in an elevator. That's fine. Stand still. In I fact, jump in. I jump in elevators. Oh, you're okay. Wow, we're really finding ourselves on the on opposite sides of the fence in terms of uh, elevating technology. Anyway, uh, you know, uh, when he did that and he made his announcement and he, you know, called folks from Mexico rapists and murderers um, and drug dealers, I think too. Um, he. Uh, you know, made it pretty clear what what kind of candidate he was going to be. But political analysts on the left and the right said this guy can't possibly win. Right? This was shortly before John Stewart left The Daily Show, and honestly, he produced some of his best stuff just completely haranguing this man because he was so ridiculous, so asinine, um, and he seemed to be so clearly uh, malignantly stupid, but in a in a manner that would not end up hurting us in the long run, right? Oh, like not boy, even were we wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean not even like Republican strategists were like, it'll never be this guy. But he managed to rope in this cult of personality. And again, I, I use the term cult of personality in its effective and appropriate manner. I'm not necessarily suggesting there is a true cult. That being said, that's for another episode, I think, because there are definitely some some folks in the following who are Drinking the Kool-Aid, if you will. I am fascinated by cults, and I would love to talk about cults. Okay. Well, we'll talk someday about the cult of QAnon and everything else that is terrifyingly out there spreading disinformation. And and I, I would say, I, I would call it borderline worship, but some of it is legitimate worship for this man. Yeah. But um, you, you, said the, you said the phrase, the following, which brings yeah. me back to a, uh, there's a Fox show with Kevin Bacon called the following about a cult based on like Edgar Allan Poe. I believe it's been a long time since I've seen it. Huh? The first season was pretty cool. The second season was eh, at best. And then it just kind of tapered off. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, not, I, I'm, I'm leading myself astray here. 
Um, I am of no help to keep you on path either. That's why you're here. <laughs> if you weren't here, it would just be a sad whiny man crying into a microphone, right? <laughs> you helped divert. So uh, anyway, um, I, I only say this to express that I'm still confused to this day, uh, you know, nearly four years after his ascendancy to the presidency, I am still perplexed as to what his aims are when he opens his mouth it just seems to be this it's a it's it's constant dog whistling it's it's constant gaslighting um and it it's effective with a a, a terrifyingly large portion of the population specifically ones who live in our communities right yeah uh, and we can easily just start talking about what he said the other day when he said what about those disinfectants can't we just use those? Yeah, yeah. Which then, then he immediately his followers uh, excused it away. Um, he then later came out and said he was being sarcastic. Which I mean, we can talk about how appropriate it would be to be the president of the United States making sarcastic comments at a press conference about tens of thousands of people dying. Right. Like tens of thousands of people in this country alone. Um, That's like us talking about all these people dying and being like, and now a word from our sponsors. Do you guys need to clean your tables? Use Lysol. Right. We don't have sponsors. Lysol, not a sponsor. Um, (laughs) Maybe someday. We're going for those Lysol dollars. What's that company that you buy all natural cleaning products from? Grove. I would. Grove. Oh, I'd love if Grove sponsored us. Yes, I, I'm a believer. I'm a believer Grove. in the, the Grove Cooperative. Is your table dirty, but you don't like all the nasty chemicals in Lysol? Grove, a place where you can clean things without chemicals. Wow, you should write copy for them. Ad reads are not great for me. I'm not good at things. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Um, nonetheless, yeah, he calls it the China virus. Uh, I believe for the first time at a campaign rally. It really riles up the base. They're going nuts. And then all of a sudden, I am talking to people, again, people who I think are, are, are genuinely decent human beings. Um, that's a divisive thing for me to say, uh, because if you are listening to this and you are not a member of my community and you are a progressive and you do not associate with any of these folks of a conservative or regressive or reactionary mindset, then you think to yourself, how can these people, how can he call them decent people? And I would simply argue that the smoke screen that is being cast, orchestrated uh, by the ruling class, by the hyper-wealthy, by this president, is really effective for some people. Um, And I think one of the ways he can tap into them is with uh, this inherent casual racism that seems to be so prevalent in so many American mindsets. Especially in that small town, you know, we grew up, there was maybe one person of color in our, in our school or something like that. These people are, They've just never seen another person of another race, and then when it when something bad happens, and it can be easily blamed on a person with a different skin color or a different belief, they just instantly go towards it. Right, right. I mean, and again, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to mansplain or whitesplain any of this away. It's legitimate. It's terrifying. I, I it's to to be 
to be a young woman in my community is, is a, I mean, my wife has stories about, you know, being harassed because it's so, there's a casual sexism even that is, that is hyper prevalent. We were walking down the street like two or two or three years ago. It was a Friday night. Uh, and we had just walked down. It wasn't night. It was like, we had just gotten home from work and we walked down to the post office to get the mail and this truck drives by. And I mean, it was funny because it was pathetic. Like we laughed at him, which was a better option because otherwise I would have just been furious all night. But this truck, this truck is driving by us, stops. This guy hangs half of his body out the window and he shouts back to us. I would bang your girlfriend in a heartbeat. Right. And then they just pull off. Right. And they're gone. Uh, That's called rolling coal, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, rolling coal. We should start that. We're, we're, uh, that's our second dictionary. We'll start. We'll start a, a dictionary for um, um, vulgar terms used against progressive folks, and uh, just uh, in general, a boondock dictionary for for words words that we might use or words yeah. that our our members of our community absolutely do use. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, we when we were in high school, very few people of color, um, uh, girls anyone, but especially girls who, um, outwardly identified as feminists were, um, there was a lot of sex. There was a lot of slut shaming. Um, yeah. God forbid you are, you believe in women's rights and you're automatically the worst person in the world. I, I call these people decent people because most of them aren't the overt racists. Most of them aren't the overt sexists or homophobes. Most of them carry a casual fear of the other because of how well this administration and administrations of the past and wealthy media tycoons uh, have perpetrated the, these narratives that the other is the one that's out there to get you. Um, the, uh, the, the allegory that I think sums it up the best, um, and I don't know where it originates from, I should find out so that I can credit the person appropriately, was the, 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 uh, there's a table with um, 100 cookies on it. And sitting at the table is um, a banker, a blue-collar worker, and an immigrant. And the banker uh, says, let me divvy up all these cookies. And he does. Um, but Real he tells, quick, though. Yeah. What kind of cookies are they? Clearly chocolate chip, because otherwise, what's the point of the conversation, right? And and my side. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Um, the banker says to the blue-collar laborer, um, while I divvy these up, I want you to watch that immigrant because he's going to try to steal your cookies. And when all is said and done, the blue collar laborer can't take his eyes off of the immigrant. And so the banker sits with 99 of the hundred cookies and he leaves one for the other two to squabble over. Um, I, the idea of the working poor voting against their own best interests Voting to put people who are clearly kleptocrats into office um, is staggering to me. It's 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 mind blowing that, um, and I, and I mean we all have our pet issues, I guess, right? But what what are what are the top three issues for rural voters? What do you think? Oh, I don't know. You know, I'm not very politically smart. I really only got into politics once Donald Trump was eliminated because. I felt obligated to follow politics a little bit because I hated such a person yeah. being involved in it. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say race, sex, 
and I don't know. Okay. Um, I, if I were, I mean, I, I think that I, I think number one, and if you drive past half of the churches in our area, you will see them advocating for a specific cause and it's always abortion. Oh, I'm very sorry. I did not understand the question. I'm not a giant idiot. I'm not a complete idiot. Some parts are just missing. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. Let me, no let, I let agree. Me, what the three, the three major <laughs> policy issues that they, that, that rural voters, are, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying. I was like, why does he look so confused right now? This is not. Yeah. I was no. like, Oh no. Uh, no, nobody's gonna they're like man drew is so great on this podcast and then Krebs is like oh um he probably just needed somebody to talk with he just invited the he just asked the only guy he knew that didn't really have much going on no that is not what happened um so yes i agree abortion gun rights uh-huh third is a topsy-turvy i don't know yeah, see, I, I think it's been abortion and gun rights for a long time. Um, when we were in high school, you had a lot of – some major things have happened. Uh, a lot of people have soured towards the war on terror. Uh, that was a huge issue for a long time, though. And I, you know, we have had multiple debates concerning the validity of that. At this point, I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find – I shouldn't say that. I, would, I was going to say you'd be hard-pressed to find a person who would defend – the war on terror. Um, but I, I maybe, I, I don't know, maybe disappointingly you would not be hard pressed. I think that there are fewer sycophants for the war on terror now than there used to be. So that yeah. would have been a big issue. The other thing that's happened since we've graduated high school is, um, the achievement of marriage equality. Um, which I'd like that term much better than gay marriage. Um, right. I, I just, you know, I feel like immediately you say you say gay marriage and there are epithets that can potentially come from either side based on that. When marriage equality was achieved, you had a lot of folks really up in arms. Since then, though, uh, very smartly, certain figures on the right have said, oh, yeah, we never I never had a problem with that. You know, even even. Um, I just, um, footage just resurfaced of Joe Biden in a vice presidential debate with Sarah Palin, uh, where they were asked what their thoughts were on on gay marriage, and they both agreed that it was wrong that they did not want they they did not want to quote unquote change the definition of traditional marriage. Um, so I mean, which even just not, blows my mind. Yeah, like it literally does nothing to affect that. Like there yep. is. If you marry another man, guess who that affects? You. Right. Right. And I, I mean, that's going to be a prevalent theme, too, of any discussion that we have concerning rural folks in general. Is I, I, I think that's one of the biggest, not even necessarily, no, I guess it does fall. I, I, I think a progressive in general seeks um, social safety nets, clearly. That's, I mean, if, if, if you talked to me, what's my number one issue is climate change. Climate, climate change is the, the greatest existential threat that we face, clearly. But if you speak to a regressive, climate change isn't real. Right, right. It doesn't exist. It doesn't. Um, what is science? Yes. Right. Well, yeah, because it's all debatable, right? Right. Um, you know, you can go off and get a degree, and you can, you can get a PhD, and you can spend your life's work um, dedicated to research, right? And then some it, uh, guy on the internet can just look at it and say, "Nope." Yeah, but have you ever have you ever worked a labor job, sir? Do yeah, you I mean, know how hard it is? I have. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, labor jobs not easy, but no. like, 
I don't go to your job at a metal shop and say, hey, this metal's not real. Welding, well, no, not real. Right. And that's what it all comes down to. And again, I don't mean to paint like that, that allegory I shared previously and what we're saying now. Again, I recognize there are plenty of progressive folks in these fields, but there are not there are there are not legitimate uh, um, epidemiologists or uh, specialists in disease coming out against the things that Dr. Fauci is saying. There's not there's not a person in that field who would find it appropriate to differ with the vast consensus that is working to save people's lives. You know, they, they, they're not going to come out and say, no, that's wrong. Instead, it's consistently people who are cross-discipline uh, simply stating that because they read an article on Facebook, they also have an opinion that, that stands, uh, that stands to the same merit. And that's, that's confusing to me. It's been chiropractors. Yeah. That's yeah. like, I mean, obviously, yeah, you help people. You fix yeah. people's backs and issues yeah. with their spines and stuff. Right. But do you right. know anything about a disease that affects your respiratory system? Yeah, I, I, I and I mean, they, they, they probably took some course at some point that covered that briefly. But that, there's still a difference between that and a lifetime spent in pursuit of that study. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I took a course on dinosaurs when I was in college. It was literally, it was literally a course just called dinosaurs, not this, not paleontology, not the study of dinosaurs. It was just called dinosaurs. Yeah, I but went to culinary know, school and took one semester on baking. I don't call myself a baker. Right. That ju- that would just be ridiculous. I mean, ultimately, society relies on people filling specific uh, niches, and us not looking at a, a specialist. And screaming at them that they're doing it the wrong way, right? That's that's ridiculous. Um, but it, I mean, I, it, it comes with notoriety, or or I, I won't say power because I don't think that Dr. Fauci has power. He's not an elected official. He can't make a declaration that we will do these things, right? He can simply state this is our these are our projections based on this many years of human history and everything we know about this this. Uh, uh, virus and right, like all of it is based upon previously established methodologies that have been proven to work, that have been proven to be at least, at the very least, our best, um, our best possible route. Right, Occam's razor uh, says that the best path is that which has uh, requires the fewest assumptions, um, and there's a lot of assumptions being made by these alternative doctors, by these QAnon members, by these lifestyle bloggers who are weighing in. Um, I feel like that 90% of anybody who has a lifestyle blog also has been involved with a pyramid scheme or an MLM at some point. Yeah. So have fun with your lifestyle blog and your excessive amount of LuLaRoe leggings. (laughs) LuLaRoe leggings does not sponsor this podcast. No, I don't think that we, if they were thinking about it, we lost them for sure. With that brought to you, but this episode is brought to you by Herbalife. (laughs) (laughs) For an easy $500, you could get in on the ground floor and make $50,000. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, remember that time. I'm sorry. Your conversation has been so great. You've been so insightful and things. And I haven't been saying much just because I, I also am learning here too. 
because if you couldn't tell, I'm not the smart one in this podcast. But I just want to bring up the fact that we almost got into a pyramid scheme. This has nothing to do with anything, but we were almost involved in a pyramid scheme right out of high school. And it was... It was maybe the greatest story that I never tell people. I I was 19 years old and I remember uh, arguing with my mom to the point that I was <laughs> furious. Like I was like, I can clearly get very rich like this. I can drop out of college. I can do this. All I've got to do is get my business license and then <laughs> I've I've got it made. All I he says. He said, we only need $500 up front, and we can make $50,000 by the end of this year. $50,000, Mom! Yeah, yeah. He got us hook, line, and sinker. I unfortunately didn't. I was unable to go to the last meeting at the guy's house. Oh, we did also not go to his house. That's right. You uh, you made the plans and then didn't go. The last time we spoke to him was at uh, Perkins? No, it um, it was a Dunkin' Donuts. It was a Dunkin' Donuts. It was right before we saw Toy Story three. Yeah, it was. It was a, it was a Dunkin' Donuts because I just remember we sat down and he was like, "You guys are young. Uh, maybe I should have suggested we meet at Starbucks." And I was like, "What? <laughs> what are you?" That's that's what we should have cut it and been like, "No, we're done. We're done yeah. with this guy." Yeah, I'm sorry for the tangent. Back to that's what okay. we were talking it's about. It's good. Anyway, my point being. Um, <sighs> I wanted this to be about race and I, and I think, I think we can still salvage this and make it that primarily. My, my point being many folks in rural areas are distrustful of the other racial, uh, gender, sexuality, uh, profession. Clearly. I don't know how they looked at, um, uh, a septuagenarian, uh, who lives in a golden tower, Wait, what's a septuagenarian? A person in their 70s. Uh, I, I don't know. Why did I, you just say person in their 70s? Because I feel like because of how many old folks have been in the race for the, this primary, I keep hearing the word septuagenarian said by by pundits and analysts. Again, not people that I really put a whole lot of stock in. but It's a pretty great word, though. Septuagenarian. I work with a couple septuagenarians. Yeah, and then there's, I think it's octogenarian is 80-year-olds. Uh, 80-year-old octopuses. What a... Octopi. Would a sixty-year-old person, sixty-year-old person, be a hexagenarian? I, uh, I think it's sectagenarian. That's what I meant. Wait. Yeah. Sect. Isn't a hexagon with six sides though? That's how I yeah. just base everything on the sides of a shape. Let's research this for next episode, and we can set the record straight for everyone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but how people, how people looked at who Donald Trump is, right? A reality TV star who is known for uh, having. F- Failed many businesses, right? Many failed and businesses. And failed college. He failed. Yeah, if you can even that, there should be an asterisk. Next, Sorry, next to the you word. Can, you guys can't see this, but yeah, college. There were there are air quotes around his college now. Um, I don't I don't know how people who distrust the other so thoroughly looked at that man and said he will champion <laughs> he will champion what I believe, except that he came out swinging from the beginning uh, with. And I, I mean, people hate people hate to talk identity politics, but that's exactly what this man capitalized on identity politics. Right. Uh, he spread, you know, he was going to build the wall, which has also not been done. Last I checked, he had built he it's had like a hundred, re, 127 miles or something like that. Is yeah, that, that sounds right. And some of that is actually just rebuilding wall that was put there already, like previously. Um, but 
he, he won some people on that. And then it's, it's, it's a consistent return to rhetoric of that sort. Um, the travel ban to Islamic or from Islamic countries, um, uh, consistently speaking about, uh, uh, poorer, er, poorer urban neighborhoods as rat infested slums. Like he, the way he casts the net leads all of the people who are fearful of the other into this feeling of legitimacy, right? He's saying it. He's a quote unquote successful billionaire. He didn't need to become president because he was a successful billionaire, but he became president anyway, because he cared enough for us Clearly, I would trust this guy. And I and that's the closest I can come to any rationale for believing or liking this man, right? Yeah, I think you put it pretty well when you said he came out swinging right from the beginning because I feel like a lot of people, maybe myself included, but for other other policies and, and other things, but want somebody to kind of tell them what to think. Like, this guy comes out with such a strong a strong personality. I mean... What you can say what you want about the guy, but his personality is like, like the guy walks in and commands a room, and some people just gravitate towards that. Like those people are the solar system. This guy's the sun. They revolve around what he says. Right. Um, And it is. uh, I mean that that type of politics is. It, it is a political archetype. Strongman politics is like yeah. you're. Uh, it's 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 what Vladimir Putin is. It's what um, uh, I mean. All around the world, these are these are people who have uh, you know consistently um, in Central and South American nations when they would begin to cobble together a uh, a democratic government, especially one that leaned left. Um, there would be U.S. interference consistently for reasons of the free market, um, and we would install a strongman who would lead, um, not always as a dictator. Sometimes there would be at least a simulated democracy, but um, you know, it, it's not it's not an uncommon political archetype. It's we're seeing them rise all over the world um, again, hauntingly um, in Poland. Um, there was a it, it was very close the last election in France um, that they almost got one uh, you know one of these strong men uh, who simply rules not by not by policy or by planning but by rhetoric that is uh, intimidating or it's just bullying really what it is yeah. I mean we hear that word thrown around all the time which is why it's I mean it's humorous to me you know um, you know Barbara Bush's initiative as first lady was literacy. And I think Laura Bush as well. I think that was her thing as well. Um, Michelle Obama's big thing was childhood obesity and trying to provide healthy school lunches, which, wow, people lost their minds about that. Um, <laughs> what? You want to feed my kid what? Vegetables? Canoa? You want to give them canoa in carats? They don't like that. They only like handy snack pudding and ramen noodles. Okay, I was a little slow on that uptake there. Did you just intentionally mispronounce quinoa and carrots? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was like, what is he, what is what is he you saying? can't be upset about things and pronounce them right. Yeah, you're right, I guess. My um, kid just wants to play the Super Mario Brothers and eat his Oreos. My dad always has always called him Super Mario. Like, I remember when Super Mario 64 came out and, and, and dad was like, do you want Super Mario 64 for Christmas? And I was like, it's Mario, dad. And he was like, guess you don't. <laughs> what about, do you know anybody that used to call Pokemon Poke, 
<laughs> Don't do it. We can't go down this rabbit hole. No, right no, now. No. Yes, Pope but uh, but yeah, these people who get into power, it's like a it's like a soapbox idea where it's whoever has the bigger box and whoever can just yell the loudest. Right. People are like, oh, what's that guy have to say? And then right. before you know it, you're like. Oh, maybe I do hate these people. Maybe I do like these things. Maybe right. I am this way. And it, it is just bullying, and that's why it's it's there's a there's a level of irony to the fact that Melania Trump's initiative is ending cyberbullying. Right? I, I was just going to say that. I was like, I feel like I remember Melania Trump saying something about trying to stop bullying. Yeah. When her when her husband, I, it's so weird to me that she's married to that man. I mean, they're both not great people, but like, yeah. what a weird marriage. I really don't know much about her. It's never been a a a, a point I felt the need to research. I do th- think there's a I think there's a valid case to be made that she seems incredibly unhappy with things in general. Um, but again, I'm speculating, and I don't want to be that you know that that lefty who just makes stories up. Um, That's all until, this podcast is. It's just made up stories. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Um, it's that fear of the other. And, and, and my point in saying this is simply the fact that he has, he has done this so effectively, not only in racial terms, but is in religious terms. Islamophobia is at a, as a higher pitch than ever before. Maybe not with coronavirus because he didn't manage to scapegoat them for whatever right. reason. But, um, but pre-coronavirus, I, if I had to tell you how many hateful Facebook posts I had to see about somebody of a different skin color having to go back to where they came from. Right. I, if I had a nickel for every time I saw one of those, I could probably be recording this podcast with a better microphone or, you know, <laughs> live in a giant house. Cause that's how many I saw. Yeah. And I mean, if you, if, if, I mean, you can look at propaganda posters from the time and see this very thing, but these, these posts on social media that demonize, uh, undocumented laborers, um, members of faiths that you don't belong to, um, uh, the transgender community, um, like the list goes on. If this technology existed in nineteen in in the late nineteen thirties in Germany, you would have seen this very same thing done for the Jew. That would have been Absolutely. the same thing. One hundred percent. Right. I mean, and I say the, I'm using that. I, I don't mean that that. That's how I right. I that gets such that a way. negative connotation when you're like, I actually even hate saying the word Mexican now. Like yeah, I, no, hate, I know. I like. I feel. I feel dirty saying it. Right, because because so many people, when referring to the entire subgroup of Hispanic people, use the term Mexican as a derogatory term, right. uh, which is not only offensive to Mexicans, it's offensive to people from other nations who are being lumped into one giant group, right? It, it it would be the it would be a similar reaction, I think, if someone from Europe came to Canada and said, look at all you Americans, right? Like a Canadian <laughs> would be like, what are you talking about? No, I get it. I'm sorry, but we're not Americans. <laughs> there we got the Canadian stereotype. Um so so where I've seen this fear of the other kind of transmuting now into our neighborhoods is I mean, I've said I've I said I've heard some people call it um, uh, the China virus, and if it's worth it, which I guess you you could ar- maybe maybe you could argue it's always worth it. Um, if I argued with a person every time they said something ignorant, 
I would never, I would have no time to spend with my wife and child. I would lose my job. (laughs) It would be, but that being said, I do think it is your duty as a progressive to stop ignorance, especially when it is just ignorance, right? When it's, when it's harmless ignorance, and I don't mean harmless ignorance, but I mean, Ignorance as in, it's not malignant. Their, their intent was not foul, right? That's your opportunity to inform, right? Uh, if they are, like we talked about in the last, the last episode, if you're using a term that is hurtful, but you don't mean it to be hurtful, that doesn't mean it's not, right? It doesn't right. mean you have a free license to use it because you've reinvented the word. Um, words have meanings. And language language, you know, evolves clearly. Um, and, and we see different words being used in, in, you know, ways that are, um, not historically how they were used, right? The term gay, for instance, is not, it, it, you know, the way that, uh, folks in the 1920s would have used it. Um, it, it very quickly became an epithet and then the gay community readopted it as their own thing and said, no, that's what, that's what we're calling ourselves. Like you've decided to cast that upon us and now we're embracing it. So we've taken, you know, they've, they've done their best to remove the power from that word. Um, anyway, my point being, I try to correct people when they use hateful language. Um, and it has burnt, it has burnt a lot of bridges. They say China virus. Um, the, the major thing that I'm seeing now here is based upon one of the major uh, employers in my area. Um, it is a, a Jewish-run business. Um, I don't know if it is, it is strictly owned and operated by uh, Hasidic Jews, but I do know that they employ several Hasidic rabbis who do travel to and from a major city. Um, they live in, they live in a, a distant city, um, but they come to the area to bless uh, poultry slaughter, right? To make it kosher. So someone has decided that the way COVID-19 appeared in our neighborhoods is because these rabbis brought it with them, Right? Which is already, in and of itself, number one, unprovable, right? I have not yet heard of one of the rabbis uh, being tested positive for COVID-19. And two, even if it is that, there are a million people who look exactly like you, who believe the same thing you do, who are screaming that the government should be re or that the that all of society should be reopened, who are also doing the same thing. The the leader of the protests in North North Carolina tested positive for COVID nineteen. There's right? a lot. The coronavirus is just opening the world to sheer irony at this yeah. point. With how yeah. many people are like. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm going to go protest here. Next day, it's like, you, like you said, head protester. Yeah. COVID-19 positive. Like, yep. I've, you get what you deserve sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you are not an essential worker, right. And you are taking undue risk. Yeah. I, why, well, I mean, why are we surprised? Why right. are we surprised? This is not, this is not the argument of, you know, um, you dressed that way. So you deserve that to happen to you. Cause we're not talking about another human being's decision. We are talking about an unthinking pandemic 
We know that the dangers are there. And you are instead, instead of avoiding those, right, you are taking them on yourself. And even if you won't suffer from it, you could be a carrier that takes it to someone else. But you're also pointing at someone else because they're of a different ethnic group than you, a different religious and ethnic group than you, and saying it's their fault. It's their fault it's here. It's their fault that we have a disproportionately higher caseload or case number um, than nearby rural counties. My county has a, a, a smaller population than your county, for instance, but much higher infection rate. Which leads us to... Sorry, go ahead. Were you going to... I was going to say it's because everybody in my county already hates each other, so nobody wants to spend time together. So oh. we're not we're not seeing each other, anyways. Okay. Okay. I'm right. a member of the 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 county Facebook page, and I read it when I just really need a good laugh about how ridiculous people are. I wish I could laugh. I wish I, I look like I admire you so much for that. And I have a coworker who I think is so like very politically on the same page as us, very socially on the same page as us. And he can see things that I look at and I want, I want to have, like, I start panicking. I want to cry or I want to scream. And he's just like, that's people, man. (laughs) Like, that's such, I wish I, you know what I mean? I wish I could let that roll off my back. And it's not that I oftentimes get into a a social media, you know, uh, kerfuffle with these people. More often than not, I just. Kerfuffle count one. I'm just keeping track of over the longevity of this podcast. How many times you say the word kerfuffle? Okay. All right. More often than not, I just find myself, um, overburdened by the, the knowledge that there are so many angry or hateful or disingenuous or, uh, we can get to all of that because I did have some communication with a member of another community, um, similarly rural, but, but, and, and she did originally live in the area. She's since moved to another, another area. Um, we can get to that. I want to talk about part two of this, uh, interesting, it's the fault of the other COVID-19 theory in my County right now. And that is the fact that the, the, the poultry processing plant that, that, um, they're theorizing this is all based around did have people test positive for COVID-19. Or, or, or so is the word. And again, how much you can trust that. <sighs> yeah. Um, also on that, uh, right when, so my county was pretty late to the game in getting an actual case. There were quite a few posts on that Facebook group trying to find out where the people lived who tested positive for it. Oh, yeah, that's been that's been a yeah. big thing, too. Yeah, yeah, I would just I saw, like I did see someone on Twitter kind of bullied out uh, bullied into admitting that they were and it was a person who it, the mother I think actually posted it her son had been studying abroad and got it and came home and immediately went into quarantine. Um came home, had symptoms, was tested, went into quarantine. And somehow I I don't know if it was just by seeing people's public posts, they felt so attacked by it or if it was like again I'm I'm spec I'm doing the exact thing I shouldn't do but it was just tragic because it was it was so clearly this woman was so clearly horrified already that her son had it right and and how many the, weeks ago was this was this pretty early on in the yeah I think it was our it, it was testing is very testing is still not very prevalent in either of our areas right now it's right. very hard to get a test even if you show if you're showing symptoms um but yeah that might have been 
right around when we, we saw one or two cases, you know? Yeah. So real early on. Yeah. Back when people maybe took this serious. Now nobody even cares anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think a lot of people still care. And that's we'll, we'll come. Back I'm sorry. To that yeah. Too. Yeah. A lot of people still care. There's, yeah. there are some people that don't, and it is upsetting, aggravating, and everything about but we we've said yeah. this many a times anyways yeah. back to the pa- second half of the poultry yeah. processing plant story part two is that this poultry processing plant employs a, a a large number of hispanic laborers um these are these are in in many cases people who have been in the area for generations people who are in fact citizens people who are uh, oftentimes if not citizens, also documented, you know, immigrants. These are people who are here on a work visa because they can make more money here to send back to their families who this country is consistently trying to keep from coming here. Um, again, the other, right? Um, uh, white rural America looked at that, said the skin color is different. They live generally in communities amongst themselves. I wonder why they would do that. We're so warm and hospitable to the other. Um, I wish I had a giant buzzard that just went eh, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they, uh, the 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 theory that's being passed around now amongst many regressives is, well, the rabbis brought it here, and then all those Hispanic people started passing it around to each other, right? That's why our numbers are so high. Let us go back to work. Let us dive headfirst into the meat grinder instead of demanding that our government take care of us in this time of need. Let us get back to work. I need a haircut, right? Um, it won't affect us. It won't affect us because those people, they live in their own, you know, uh, uh, community. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of what the, the, the anthropological term is for that. Um, um, is it, what was it called in Nazi Germany? Didn't they call it, didn't they call it ghettos? They did, but that's not, I mean, that was, the ghettos were specifically organized by, uh, what is it called? It's a... Oh, I think the word you're looking for is town. No, it's not that either. It doesn't matter, ultimately. Um, but they, I mean, they're, you're, 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 um, if you were to, you know, benignly, uh, simply notice that, yes, these people of this specific ethnic group do seem to conglomerate into their own sub-communities. You're not wrong. Um, But it also doesn't mean that you aren't, like, that these people aren't affecting your community as well, especially if if we're talking in terms of contagion. You can get them sick, they can get you sick, and you cannot blame it upon this racial monolith that you've you've structured that you as a white american uh are not part of the people who are spreading this around that's that's oh my god that's just such 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 an ill-fated myth that is based on literally nothing and that's what that entire theory is based upon based on hate right it's based on hate and fear there's back from back in our high school days we listen to a lot of well you especially but we listen to you know some heavier music right Oh yeah, you can say that. Yeah, and and there's a there's a um, there's a line that has always stuck with me from um, "What a Horrible Night to Have a Curse" by the Black Dahlia Murder. 
who also leaves, sorry, side note, are yeah. on like the Billboard top five for new albums. Really? Yeah. With like wow. Billie Eilish and like Harry Styles from One Direction or something. Interesting. Um, but in that song, they have a line that says, um, unholy inversion of hate, twisting the faith of the meek into fear. And I like that has, I don't know why. I don't know that I could tell you any other, any other lyric from that song. Um, no, I could, but, uh, I, that has stuck with me because that just seems to be this prevalent, this prevalent tumor on so much of the rural regressive mindset is it, it started out as fear. It started out as fear because we as humans naturally fear the unknown. I'm watching a baby discover the entire world. And oftentimes her first response to new stimulus is right. Like she, she like, she recoils from it. She, her eyes get wide, her, her mouth opens. It's, it's, it's startle. And that's not necessarily the same as fear, but, um, you know, it gets dark at night and you hear a weird noise outside. It's the unknown. You're immediately fearful of it. You probably don't immediately jump to, I hate that thing and must destroy it. Right. Cause it could just be like a bird. What if it's a snake though? Yeah. There, look, there's three kinds of snakes I'm afraid of. Name dead them. ones, dead ones, fake ones, and real ones, live ones. <laughs> I, I screwed that up. I read that somewhere the other day. I thought that, ah, that's pretty good. I'm terrified of snakes. You're right. I do want to, yeah, in general, ugh, I don't want, that's going to be really divisive. We're, if, if, if you make me talk about how I feel about snakes, we're going to alienate all the potential uh, reptile progressives who might, you know, hear this one day. I think that's we, 90% of our viewership is uh, progressive reptile lovers. <laughs> But yeah, uh, you bringing up those lyrics from the Black Dolly Murder song uh, brings me back to the lyrics from a song called Danny Nadelko by a band called Idols. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, one of like the main hooks in the song is fear leads to panic, panic leads to pain, pain leads to anger, anger leads to hate. Yeah. And it's just yep. like every time I hear that, I'm just like, I get it. Right. And I, and I mean, I can be guilty of that same thing. I, I can look at my neighbor who I, I don't understand. I don't understand why you are the way you are. I don't understand. I mean, I want, we always want to say that we are elevating it uh, and we're reacting to the reactionary. Um, I look at this person who doesn't like uh, person X, Y, and Z. So now I don't like them, but I, it's really hard sometimes to analyze what what could have happened to make this person not like X, Y, and Z? And what can I do to change their, their mind? Um, I think it's limited what I can do. I can't just walk over to a person and say, Hey, your feeling on, uh, transgender folks is wrong. Uh, and here's why more often than not exposure leads to understanding. Um, and so I think one of the greatest things to happen in our community was some of these these uh, uh, Hispanic folks. I believe they're um, uh, Guatemalan or El Salvadoran. I should know that. I'm sorry. That's awful. Uh, they opened us a restaurant in the area, and it's oh. been oh, a man. huge success. I wish you wouldn't talk success. about this because now, like, I instantly taste it as soon as you yeah. say it. Do you know what else they've done that has been really cool? Since the schools have closed, they have offered free meals to students in case they are 
they have food insecurity oh, and they nice. have not required any type of litmus. They haven't been like, come in and bring your parents W2 with you so that I know you can't afford food. <laughs> right. Like they just no questions asked here are meals. Um, which is a huge thing for, uh, uh, again, what, what a lot of rural folks don't seem to, to, to understand if they aren't the ones suffering from poverty, uh, that their neighbor, uh, often is in this that's area. A, that's um, a huge thing about like Hispanic culture too, is the, is the feeling of unity and family and stuff. I mean, you see any Hispanic party dictated on a television show or something and it's like, it's 85 people and your brother's grandma's uncle's aunt from Texas is invited and stuff too. And it's just everybody hanging out. It's because like unity and family means so much to those people. And right. But if you, but, and if you say, if you say to the, uh, the regular rural person, unity family, you know, you, these are universal ideals. They would say, I love, yeah, clear. I love my family. Like I love right. to, you know, do uh, it's so hard to find, to look at the common ground first, especially when we have ideologues like Donald Trump showing you the difference first and claiming that that is inherently divisive or inherently evil or inherently taking something from you. Uh, it's not, it's not the case. It really isn't. I, I, you're, you're going to find bad people from all walks of life, from right. all faiths, from all, uh, ethnicities, from all, uh, creeds. I, I, I don't, I don't think that you can ever look at one group of people, um, based on their, their faith or their race and say, they're all good. But you, you certainly can't say they're all bad. You can't even say the majority are bad. Now, you can look at people who have adopted a certain idea. I'm not going to defend Nazis right. if you're I a Nazi. Just, I was just going to say, what's the quote? It's like, not all bad people are Nazis, but all Nazis are bad people. One hundo. Yes, absolutely. That's great. I like that. Where'd you get that? Uh, the internet somewhere. Oh, okay. Um, no, I mean, so I made it up. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, claim, you should definitely do that. Um, so I, I, in our last episode, we talked a little bit about how um, there, we see a lot of people calling governors who are taking action ag against COVID-19 tyrants, right? Oh, my God. Back to the if I had a nickel for every time I saw this. Yeah. And, and that just led me to do uh, some brief reading when I had some time. Um, I had bought this book and, you know, coincidentally, it was released in um, 2017, penned shortly after the 2016 elections, uh, titled On Tyranny, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century by Timothy Snyder. He's a historian, uh, has a, a pretty long uh, list of other works. Um, but in the introduction, even, and it's a, it's a quick read. I mean, you can blaze through this pretty fast. It's, How it's many a pages mini, is it? Uh, it's 126 pages. But look, I mean, this doesn't do anyone else any favors. Compare this to my hand. It is a small book. You got pretty big hands. It so. doesn't have tiny text. Uh, anyway, he writes, uh, and again, I'm reading this not because I think the governors are tyrants. I'm reading this because I heard the word tyranny thrown around so much that I thought I should read about what actual tyranny is. So I'm, I'm going to read this quote to you. Um, I have to put it in the context that he's discussing it, which is in terms of European fascism and communism in the 20th century. 
Okay, um, what we saw that that led to the rise, or that led to World War One, and effectively World War Two, uh, and effectively a lot of the Cold War. Um, he focuses a lot on the Nazis because they're the you know the biggest of the bad guys. Um, he says both fascism and communism were responses to globalization, to the real and perceived inequalities it created and the apparent helplessness of the democracies in addressing them. Fascists rejected reason in the name of will. Denying objective truth in favor of a glorious myth articulated by leaders who claimed to give voice to the people. They put a face on globalization, arguing that its complex challenges were the result of a conspiracy against the nation. Fascists ruled for, two, for, de for a decade or two, leaving behind an intact intellectual legacy that grows more relevant by the day. By that specification... If there is tyranny to be claimed, are we seeing it from our state leaders or are we seeing it at the federal level? I, I'm not asking. I'm not asking you. I mean, I'll let that question unanswered. That that can just be a, a rhetoric. Yeah, this is a rhetorical question that I'll just let float out there. But but the words that struck me most, especially when we're, we're we see a disease and it's ravaging thing fascists rejected reason in the name of will denying objective truth in favor of a glorious myth articul articulated by leaders who claim to give voice to the people. I've never heard anything more fitting than in today's times. Like if you were to tell me that that wasn't written based on things happening today. Yeah. I like, I don't, I almost don't believe that that was written in 2017. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think that I mean, and Timothy Snyder. You can look up his 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 list of other books. He he writes a lot about, uh, you know, the powder keg that was Europe in the early 1900s. Um, uh, talking about the liberation of Soviet Ukraine, um, the Bloodlands, which was uh, you know Europe between Hitler and Stalin. Um, Ukrainian history, the politics of life and death uh, in the Czech Republic. Um, I, I have admittedly not read much else that was written by him, but his bona fides are there. Um, we're, we're hearing a historian make, uh, make something really clear. If you're rejecting an objective truth because instead – you want to believe in a in a glorious myth, right? That glorious myth being that you are the true American. You are the true America. You are, right? And everyone else is the wicked globalist coming in to take what you deserve. You deserve it by birthright. Um, which is interesting because then when you get into the conversation of what you deserve by birthright, it's clearly not an education or healthcare. <laughs> right, it's the, right. That. You can have these, this, that. Yeah. Wait, you want to go to school for free? Wait. Yeah. You don't want to pay for. You don't want to. You want to have universal healthcare? Yeah. It's not even kid. for free. I mean, we say we say that it's not even for free. We're talking about right. paying it for it with our own yeah. tax dollars. Yeah. Like, how about you go I, to Canada, you libtard? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, uh, you know, we have, you know, more fast food restaurants than anywhere in the world. So <laughs> checkmate, checkmate Scandinavia. We checkmate got the Canada. Beef. Yeah. No meats. We got the meats. There Sorry. you got it. Oh, TM, TM. Uh, th this is all exhausting. 
um, to me in a way that, that I, I can't fully explain. And I, I messaged you, we were going to do this podcast earlier this week and I had the day we were supposed to do it. I had a really bad day and I don't mean there was anything actually happening in my, I, I, it was, it was a normal, it was a normal Saturday. I woke up a normal Saturday under quarantine, which is not normal, I guess, but I woke uh, up, I went to the couch, I went to the downstairs couch. I went to the other couch downstairs. I don't know who all these people are talking about laying on couches. We just had a baby. So I'm running on baby time. So occasionally, you know, I can like collapse beside the cradle and you know, that can be a thing for now. It's not been that bad. It's been fantastic. Um, so it was not anything that was going on in my small, tiny little world. It was what I knew was going on outside of it and my thirst for displeasure. Uh, I wasn't miserable enough, so I hopped on social media to see what everyone was saying. I've heard <sighs> that about you. You're real thirsty. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Um, but anyway, it just it, it was crushing to see what was happening because I was watching people who even even just a week earlier, two weeks earlier, seemed to be taking this rationally. They seemed to be voicing things to other people who always seem, frankly, crazy. Uh, I shouldn't say crazy. Conspiracy theorists aren't inherently crazy. They are gullible or they are knowingly ignorant. They are one of those things. And I'm not also saying that there are no conspiracy theories that might be proven true. I am, however, saying vaccines do not cause autism. Uh, the I don't need to go through the list of bad Michelle conspiracy Obama theories. did create the dab to help kids <laughs> cough and sneeze into their arms. I'll, I, I'll accept that one. On, on, on truly just the veracity of our friendship, I'll accept that one because it's harmless and uh, I have nothing to use to disprove it. Um, right. So I, I saw another person post that they had taken a break from social media uh, and they came back to it and immediately just had this spike of anxiety. Um, and I spoke in the last podcast, and I want—I feel like I, I want to be honest about this. I'm not ready to spill my guts to you guys about everything yet, you know. Um, that's what your diary is for. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So eventually, when someone steals my diary and publishes it, when we're super famous podcasters, yeah. Um, but she—I—I I, I have struggled, especially the past two or three years um, of my life, with anxiety. Um. What she said just really spoke to me. She She's also a parent, and I don't mean that you have to be a parent to understand that in any way, but I will say, um, before I had a child, I would see things going on and just get angry about them, right? Now I see things going on, and I get terrified uh, or panicky or depressed. Um, so I, I sent her a message. As a person who does not have a child, I think it just stems from the fact that you have a person that will be living on after your legacy to has to, who has to see the world and you could have a direct correlation or effect on how the world is and how she sees the world. Like, yeah. I think that's from my outside perspective in uh, literally and figuratively because I'm outside your window right now. Um, oh, creepy. She, uh, you just have to like leave her with this legacy and you want the world to be perfect for her yeah. and you're just scared because it won't be. And I get it. Right. I yeah. mean, I a hundred percent get it. Yeah. I, ha I actually had that conversation with my wife where I said, I recognize, like, I want our daughter to be, well, let me, let me read this, this exchange that I had with this, this, this woman. Um, 
and then we can. I do, I do want to. I do want to. You know, bat this around with you a little bit. So this is long winded. Uh, if it's just total garbage, we'll cut it out, and it won't make it to the final edit. Um, I said. Hey, I recognize that I only messaged you for the strangest of reasons, but your post yesterday really struck a chord with me. Having just recently become a parent myself, I find that my feelings on everything are even stronger than they were before. I've been making videos for my daughter since before she was born so that Name she could redacted. watch them one yeah, yeah, so that she could watch them one day and know that thing what things were like before she could recall. I recently watched the video I made on January 1st in which I talked about being hopeful for the future, that we were culturally on the cusp of a great change, and that I was excited for her to grow up in. I know that it was naive of me to watch society and politics devolve as it has over the last 4, 8, 20 years and just decide that we would elect Bernie Sanders and we would absolutely succeed at all of our goals. But I believed it. Now here, a little over four months later, I feel a strange guilt for bringing another life into this world. And, and I, I read this to you in honesty because I typed it out and it was the first time I was able to speak that deepest, that deep, like it's shameful for me to even say that. Again, it's not, a, it's not, it's not in my logical mind that, oh man, I should not have had a daughter. She like she's literally the most important thing to me. I would never remake that decision. Clearly, um, but it's that th you know when you're an angsty teenager, you know, and your parents tell you to do something you don't want to do. Uh, it's that retort like I didn't ask to be born. I you know. Um, wait, wait. You said that. I never said that. I did. I was a real. Oh yeah, I was a brat. Um, I only got. I only became super angsty when I started hanging out with you. Is that what happened? I wore a lot of polo shorts before we became friends, and then you introduced me to skateboarding and punk music. I apologize to your mom for me. <laughs> uh, so I said, um, I, I feel a strange guilt for bringing another life into this world. I don't mean I'm depressed all the time. A little bit of time with my daughter clears any bad feelings up quickly, but when I think of what kind of future she might have, I feel it collapsing. All of this brings me to what I've been feeling and about what you said about the online world triggering your anxiety. I hadn't been on Facebook much for a long time before my daughter was born. Then we had her and I had to start logging on to share photos with family and friends. And slowly, I fell back into the stupid habit of scrolling through the feed. At first, I was refreshed. I have unfollowed and unfriended a lot of people, and that had a lot to do with why it didn't make me go nuts right away. But nonetheless, it was nice to communicate with people I rarely see about my baby and stupid memes. Then quarantine began, and I watched people hold the line against frenzy for a while, but practically overnight, I watched people go batshit insane. I know it's where I live... I know it's where I live in the world to some degree, but the level of science denial and conspiracy theory made me collapse in on myself. I got panicky about what this world is and what it will be for June. I was furious that these same people who don't, who, who don't believe in climate change and can't see the clear evil of income inequality and labor exploitation right in front of them now felt like they tapped into the true evil of the world, quarantine and the deep state plot behind it. I realize I'm just rambling, and I'm probably not offering any comfort, but I hope that there is some inherent comfort in knowing there is a person, and our people, out there who, even though they don't communicate with you often, are feeling the same thing. When I first started teaching, I would hear students say things to the tune of, and I think this is a whole podcast topic, frankly. I would hear students say things to the tune of, with how the world is today, 
yada, 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 parenting sentiments from their parents and grandparents that the world used to be better than it is now. I would tell them that the world is better than it has ever been, and then spout statistics and speak about newfound equalities that didn't used to exist. I find I don't do that anymore, because the sentiments of the good old days have been weaponized, and I don't just mean in the form of make America great again. There are people who are so terrified of progress that they are contented to actively stand in its way and scream at the top of their lungs. I know that's a second rant, but again, I guess my point is, I still think, or hope, that's not the majority of people. I think the folks working against progress, while many, are a vocal minority. Voting records argue otherwise, but my sentiment stands. And she responded a little while later, and she said, your, your message, you message me for real reasons and not small talk. I appreciate that. And I did ask her if I could, uh, you know, read what she said. I have not heard back if she says absolutely not, this just this part just won't be posted. Um, she said, when Bernie suspended his campaign, I called my husband crying because I needed this for our children. I think what makes me so passionate is that I've lived most of my life in a position where his policies would have saved my life. They would have given me a fighting chance. I don't know if you're a spiritual person. I don't say religious because I believe Jesus and religion are very different, but I am. So I fully believe that everything I've experienced and the empathy I've been able to tap into because of it has made me who I am. So now that I'm in a position in life where I'm comfortable and safe, I find myself surrounded by people who have only ever felt this way and it lights a fire under my ass because they don't seem, they don't see the need around them, the human need, the earthly need. But now that I am like them, I can get them to listen. I'm terrified for my children. But because I'm a spiritual person, I think my motivator is that this is all temporary. But I don't mean it like the people who say the good old days and none of this really matters say it. I say it like suffering will happen for me. I will put myself in uncomfortable positions. I will go without so that someone may go with. I will model this to my children so that it is natural, as natural as breathing for them. Because if they experience discomfort, suffering, opposition, bullying, or any other form of oppression for always seeking to do the right thing. Those things are temporary, but their changes to this world could be permanent. I fully believe that we were put here to love. I have stepped away from social media because it makes it hard for me to love. I delete anyone who makes makes me have intrusive thoughts. Um, she went on longer about personal details that I, I, I'm not going to disclose, even if she's okay with me right. she, uh, talking about I, it. I don't know how much longer she went on, but she hits it pretty, pretty well there about... Yeah. I feel like what I don't understand is how people who are or I feel like both of us are pretty well off. Like, I mean, we're not wealthy, but we have we have love in our lives. We don't struggle for money. We don't struggle for food. We have we have a a roof over our heads. It's just crazy to me that people who are more well off than us even have such an issue with the idea of universal health care. Yeah, you've never right. had an issue with the ability to be able to afford a prescription or go get a certain... Like, what's the statistic is that, like, was it, like, 75% of Americans are one medical bill away from bankruptcy or something like that? It's, like... Yeah, like, yeah. It well, never even, needs I mean, to you, be you, like that. Right. I mean, even, even my own financial security... Uh, and I just said this to my wife today, cause just with some of the things going on in our district, if, if, if I get cut, um, if I were to lose my job, we would make it four months before um, something else would start falling apart. You know, I, w- whether it was we uh, can't make mortgage payments, 
And that even true, I mean, we would make it four months if we stopped any type of disposable income um, pleasure consuming. It, it would, it would, it would be a. I lost my job. We tighten our belts. I've got to look for a job. And if in four months I don't have one that pays me at least three quarters of as much as I'm making now, then I will begin to lose you know, my house or I will default on my student loan payments or, and, and I, and I, and again, you're right. I think we are fortunate because I think we are, I mean, I, I look at some people that I went to college with whose, who, whose parents paid for their, their education. And that's awesome. If you can afford to do that, that's awesome. If you can afford your medical bills, that's awesome. That that's yeah. great. Honestly, I applaud the success that you must've seen in life for that to happen. But you having met success is not exclusively because you're a master planner, right? You could be an like the most anal retentive, hyper organized neurotic planner. But if you get a brain tumor, I doubt you saved the money to get through that. Exactly. I don't. I don't think you did. And 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 the 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 idea that we are so low on empathy for other people is terrifying to me. So when I look at my daughter and I, I love what the woman who I reached out to said about, you know, um, about her kids, you know, uh, being part of that, that change that they hope to see. I mean, she did go on to say about, you know, you know, uh, 200 years ago in this country, human beings owned other human beings. Um, that being said, and we, we can come back to this, you should read the, the details of the 13th Amendment and see exactly what our private prison system is doing. We no longer have official slavery, but we definitely still have slavery in this country. Um, nonetheless, I, don't, I can't look at my yet-to-be three-month-old daughter and think, I want you to be... I want you to have to champion change. Like I, I want her to be responsible. I want her to care for her fellow person. But I... But I, I, I thought with what we were seeing in the primary race early on, at least, I thought, holy crap, we've, we're going to do it this time. Like, we're going to do it. We're this, going to put it. This is our actual, year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I said in that video. I said, I said, uh, um, I've frequently been a pessimist about a lot of things, but what we're seeing right now is amazing. Um, your mom is much more hopeful than I am, but I am hopeful. I think I think that we're on the verge of making something better, and I and I truly think too. If we went to a single payer healthcare system that was funded by your tax dollars, suddenly people would, which which by the way exists in every other industrialized nation in the world today, every other one. Um, Here, let me give you the responses to why universal healthcare doesn't work. Okay, go but my taxes will go up. That's it. That's all I got. That's why. And, and if you if you are of a high enough income, that is absolutely true. <laughs> we should be honest about that. It is absolutely true. Your taxes will go up, but you also will not be paying the premiums that you that come out of your your paycheck every week, every other week. Um, you will not see copays. You will not see rate hikes. You want like. Uh, Insurance as it stands right now is you gambling your money against your health, right? You say, I'll pay this money in in case this happens, right? And winning in this case of gambling is getting ill enough to actually have to use your insurance, yeah. which is mind-blowing to me. Losing is you don't get sick 
and you just paid money to a person so that they can buy their sixth yacht, right? I, I can't, I can't, I can't at this point look at my daughter and say, I want this to be a person who suffers through trauma to bring about positive change. I want her to be a person who holds the holds the guard to keep the positive changes that we established in place. And I don't think that it's over. I don't I don't I don't mean to say that I think that it's over. I think we I think we do need to talk about free and fair elections, but I think that's a that's a conversation for another day uh, yeah. and about, you know, uh, especially reading this this on tyranny book has me has my head spinning uh, and not in panic necessarily but he, he he's very clear in the way he lays things out it's truly he's very concise concise I mean it's twenty chapters and some chapters are literally two pages long um, it's like yeah. uh, Michael Scott's uh, business book he has one chapter it's just called gum everybody likes the right. guy who gives him a stick of gum yeah. Which is true. There. If you've learned nothing else from this podcast today, you've learned uh, that we are probably going to make a reference to The Office in just about every episode. Um, did we make one in the last one? I thought I thought we did. Oh, yeah, because you said you miss every shot you don't take. Yeah. You, miss, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Uh, hey, I did want to say I did want to tell you one thing, and I don't know if you saw this. I just saw it today breaking. Um, Jesse Ventura is uh, flirting with the idea of running – for president third party this year this year for green party yeah for the green party i know who i'm writing in <laughs> i don't you won't have to write him in if he gets registered as the green party candidate that's true i really uh uh let me just uh tell the listeners here that this will be my first um actual presidential election i voted in so you got to start somewhere guys yeah get out and vote uh, again, there's a lot of debate about who we should be voting for this time around. And clearly it's Jesse the Body Ventura. Um, no questions asked. <laughs> I'm not ready to offer an endorsement for any candidate because, well, if, you're, if your state has not primaried yet uh, and you're not New York who is attempting to take Bernie off of the ballot, I think they actually succeeded at this point, um, still vote for Bernie Sanders because those delegate counts matter. Um, even though he has suspended his campaign, the, the more delegates he can get for the convention means the more, you know, uh, momentum he can have to, to push some policies into Biden or whoever the surrogate candidate is going to be who you push that into their platform. So this is what I hope happens. Let me let me paint the picture here for you. And then maybe we should wrap it up here a little bit. Um, yeah. Everybody writes in Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is invited to the DNC. Nobody knows he's going to be there. They go to announce their candidate. The lights go out. <laughs> you can say this with a straight face. The lights go out. One light on the podium. Fog rolls in. Out of nowhere, Bernie Sanders pops out. In the Over the loudspeakers, Jefferson Starship, we built this city on rock and roll plays. Bernie Sanders throws up two peace signs and says, 2020's our years. And he just the lights go off, he disappears, everybody leaves. Wow. Uh, I'm laughing so I don't cry because I wish that would happen. Um, but you just created a wrestling intro for Bernie Sanders, I think. Sure did. Yeah. 
Okay. There's also multiple scenarios in which I wish Bernie Sanders would hit Donald Trump with a steel chair. There's some great art of that. There is actually. That was my phone background for a really long time. Yeah. Um, let's say our thanks. Wait, we have to pray on this show? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh, once again, we'd like to thank Josh Engel at Native Studios for mixing and mastering all of this and making us not sound like we're recording between two tin cans and a rope. Because we are. We are, actually. I'm currently outside yeah. his window because he's not letting me inside his house. Because we're properly quarantining, people. We've been yeah. five weeks in. You can wait another, you know, three or four weeks here. We all yeah. we all look like shit right now. It's not just you. <laughs> we all look like shit. Thanks also to Kayla Little for uh, making our thumbnail. Uh, I have seen it now. I was just going to say, seen it now. This, this episode, we have seen it. And yeah. I did not know what to expect. And I was expecting a lot, actually. Yeah. And yeah. it's way cooler and than I could have ever expected it to be. I, I, I never would have imagined that it would be as awesome as it is. Uh, you wanted it to, you know, maybe have, um, uh, you know, a cartoonized version of us. And I, that's all the insight I gave her. I kind of told her what the gist of the podcast was about. And she completely blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, just made that whole thing up. So. As a person who is really terrible at art, when I see somebody who's really good at art oh. do art, I'm like... yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Wait, you could, wait, where did you come up with this idea though? Like, wait, you yeah. thought of this? It's, it's, um, I put it, I rank it like, um, I can't do art. So I'm really impressed by art, but I also can't patch, uh, a car tire. And I had that, ha I had a guy do it one time and it was amazing. It was, I, it was like watching an alchemist work. He took my garbage tire cause I could not afford a new tire at that time. And he patched it through a process that I can only describe as osmosis. transmogrification. Sure. Okay. Osmosis. Uh, yeah. yeah. What's the guy's name? Also osmosis Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Chris rock or is that Chris Tucker? I can't remember when I was a kid. I got them confused in my head all the time. Now Wait, I never we don't, do. We don't like Chris Tucker anymore. Cause he went to the uh, private sex Island, right? Oh, I don't know. Did he? I don't either. I thought I heard that somewhere. And I was like, really? Chris Tucker Maybe. from Rush Hour? All right. We we got to stop here. Uh, we're going to. Uh, yeah. Wait, I thought you guys were talking about the issues of race in small communities. And now you're talking <laughs> about the private sex island. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that I think All that's right. it for well, us tonight. I'm Andrew. I'm Tyler. And we are alone in the boondocks. <laughs>